0: Coming up. Welcome to the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast with your host, Toby G. Hello and welcome to episode 247 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you're all...
1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Batflip, episode 151, wrapping up our reviews of our positional previews for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Going to starting pitching, and it's only fitting. That's our final episode of the reviews of the previews, starting pitchers. So that'll be fun. have got some ADP debates. Um, uh, we're using the main event ADP. There's been eight main event drafts, as everyone predicted. Pitching's got up, folks. That's the way it's going. But before we get into all that, the the housekeeping, you can find myself on Twitter at BDE and my co host is always on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend?
0: Doing great bubba um, although we did we did lose in the Battle of the pods but sweet 16 is pretty nice you yeah, know it's pretty good for a pretty small good. conference school like us yeah. you know we'll take that we'll take that uh, that sweet 16 birth. Um definitely, congrats definitely. to Ariel and uh, beat the shift um, for uh, for taking us down today um, but no I mean it's super exciting I mean we're getting to it right we're a little over a week away the WCPC has been fantastic I saw a tweet that was like how is the MLB season ever going to compare to, you know, uh, the WBC? So, so, yeah, another great game today and um, a good final tomorrow. So should be should be enjoyable. It's baseball season. Got to love it.
1: Yep, USA, Japan, Tuesday night's going to be so much fun. Because, honestly, when, I, when it started, I was watching Team USA. I'm like, this team might not even get out of the pool play. Like, it did not look like a great baseball team. And they're clicking right now. The pitching still not great. And that's my biggest concern. It's not a great pitching staff. But, boy, oh, boy, can they score some runs. So should be fun. Yeah.
0: Who's who's starting tomorrow? Do we do we do you know?
1: It's probably been announced. I'm not sure. I know Lance Lynn. Or no, I think it's Lan- I think
0: it might be Lance Lynn.
1: Because Wayno started hopefully it's not Merrill Kelly, because I think he started the game three in the pool play, and that could be disastrous. Maybe it's a bullpen game. Maybe it's straight up like Game Seven yeah, World Series
0: here we go who's, who's going to be the opener who's going to be the opener Yeah, this
1: could be like a one time through the rotation for you merrill and then we're going to the pen uh that could be the scenario but we'll see it's reminded it reminds me so much like you probably watched it when you were growing maybe you still watch it now i don't know like watching the little league world series and it was always like you had that you have, you have the usa side and you have the international and USA was always putting a good team together, but it seemed like it was always like Japan would get through to the finals and just beat the snot out of the, whatever USA team showed up more often than not because they're just a fundamentally sound team. Like, this is what they do. And so I'm really curious
0: to see how Tuesday night goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's all I know. So For sure. It is. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see that, that ADP um, so, of uh, Ishida.
1: So. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. That's a good point. And everyone's already drooling over Sasaki, who won't even be. I don't think he's coming to like 2027.
0: 20, like we got a long. Yeah, like to 25. Open. I wonder if there's any way for him to get out earlier. You know, like That'd be nice. I know that's when I think his first contract ends. But man, it'd be nice to have him in the M, M majors for for his whole career. But obviously, I mean, Japan, okay. it's got a great lead too. So.
1: We'll see what happens, but it's a lot of fun. Good to see baseball's thriving even in the springtime. So, and then like you said, you're going to be in Vegas this weekend because the second round of Big Live main event drafts and everything are taking off. And then one week after that, we have our final spring games, and then it's baseball season. It's it's right here. It's right around the corner. So it's going to be glorious, absolutely glorious. And um, looking forward to next week, hearing your uh, your thoughts on how your NFC weekend went in Vegas. That'll
0: be. A lot of fun Um, i'm sure i will have a lot of stories because what are you doing you're doing three or four teams i'm doing four in vegas three auctions and one main um on saturday morning so and that's a fun group that's a fun group for sure in there so um it'll be a good one yeah yeah it'll be be a good time so
1: yeah looking forward to hearing all about that but for tonight we are talking starting pitchers made of an adp which is I put from 316 to today, it's been eight drafts Saturday and Sunday. That's pretty much what you got, and um, it's uh, definitely some, some some surprises. Like If you want to listen to the Sunday night rotowire podcast, Toby filled in for Jeff Erickson with Scott Jinstead, and they talked a lot about these ADP um, kind of movers and shakers per se because they're both you – know, Scott was running for the, the overall for a while there last year. He was doing some big boy things, and Toby's always got some squads in the mix, so they were having some fun conversations in that. But Toby, let's talk about a couple standouts. At least that just stood out just from the naked eye, without going super deep into ADP, um, with this first you know look. And for me, the first one off the board is Spencer Strider. He's the fourth pitcher off the board of an ADP of sixteen point seven five, which is just like on the one two turn. And he went as high as twelve, so he went in the first round in one of these eight drafts. And this is a guy that was going, you know back like a more of a two three ish kind of guy for most of draft season depending the 12s and 15s on how that was going for you so to see him jump up to a first round pick and on the one two turn that is quite the healthy jump uh so how are you kind of looking at spencer strider like are you surprised by the jump is it definitely taking him off the board for you if he was on your board he probably wasn't but if he was how is spencer striders just push up the, the rankings going for you
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see, yeah, the the kind of ADP close and who's moving up and who's moving back. Like, it's just, it's really interesting because a lot of it honestly like mirrors the projections in a lot of ways, like where the projections have guys going, um, which is kind of fascinating. But for Strider, I mean, I think that, I think nobody really questions the skills for Strider. I mean, skills like projections are in agreement on on, on Strider. Um, we've seen like what he's done. I mean, he had one of the better rookie seasons ever for a pitcher. Um, there's the injury concerns towards the back end of the year, but he's looked good. I mean, he's down like maybe one and a half miles per hour. I think something like that on his fastball in the spring, but not too much for concern. You know, like you just, you, I'm more concerned about when you're getting hitting two miles per hour or more. Um, so it's really a volume question for Strider, um you know, and, and what you think he can hit for volume. If you think he can get to 200 innings pitched, well, I mean, then you're in for a bonanza, right? But I think most of the projection systems have him. Um, let's see, what do we got? We got 140, uh, one, we got 168, 159, 151, 154, 122.3, you know, so it really depends on on how many innings you put him in for. But I think on a skill, skill basis, you know, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, clearly. And I think one of the things that you just need to factor in is if you are going to take Strider, I do think that you need to look for volume somewhere else, whether it's in the number of starting pitchers that you're drafting kind of earlier on in the draft, or whether you're just kind of backing him up right away with somebody who's, who's a 200, 180 inning guy. Um, He'll get you the K's, um, but the question will be kind of more of the the volume metrics and you know potentially the wins. I mean it's a great team with a really good bullpen, but you know, he hasn't really gone deep into games consistently. So um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I do, I do like him. He's good.
1: Yeah, we we share pretty similar sentiments. Like I love the talent, I love the pitcher, I think there's a lot to like. It's just a matter of how many innings is he going to throw. That's my biggest concern, especially with an early pick like that. You got your Nolas, who's almost a two hundred, you know, one ninety plus guy year after year. You got Woodruff, who, you know, he's been banged up. But you could, you could imagine a healthy season, one seventy five, one eighty. Which does Strider even get there? But his one fifty might be as good as Woodruff's one eighty. So, like, you got those kind of conundrums to take place when you're kind of weighing it out. So, it just kind of surprised me in the main event world, who we like to think are the you know best of the best potentially uh, playing out there. You see that kind of jump in a talent like Strider, who's been, like I said, hanging around like almost twelve, ten to 15 picks later. That's a big jump for me in the in the early draft picks. Uh, you know, DeGrom, he went as high as 17th in one draft. Verlander's high as 16th, but as low as 34. So it's, it's a wide array uh, based on these early drafts on who goes where. So, it is interesting to see when some of these guys um, are kind of getting pushed up and, and some aren't, per se. Like, Noah's just like stuck in 21 to 29. He's just a second round dude, where other guys have, you know, first to third round potentials, depending on, on where you're looking in the draft. And it's, it just kind of gives you an idea of, um, I guess, the landscape as you're looking at it.
0: Another now, guy. Bubba, I have some breaking
1: news. Uh oh.
0: The main event for tonight shut down so we have the board from tonight's main event there's now nine drafts in the system
1: oh, let me reload this page and yeah, see if yeah I get a, ninth, a ninth draft
0: so let let me um let me just i'll tell you what the first 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 uh, couple rounds were and i don't know who they are i don't have the that board i, have I, I just have um yep. yeah so we got turner at one the, we call that the wbc bump yep uh, Acuna at 2, Judge at 3, J-Ram at 4, nothing surprising. J-Rod at 5, Otani at 6, Tucker at 7, nothing surprising. Bichette continues his move up. Yep. You know, he goes 8th, Witt 9, number 10, Tatis Jr. Number 11, Mr. Freddie Freeman.
1: Still know pitchers. Um,
0: yeah, Corbin Burns talk. is the first pitcher off yeah. the board. At 12. At 12. Machado at 13. Vlad Jr. at 14, Juan Soto at 15, which is interesting because, you know, he's got the oblique oblique injury, right? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of fascinating there. Uh, Garrett Cole at 16. Okay. Um, Mookie Betts at 17. Mike Trout at 18. Pete Alonso at 19. Um, And this is one we're seeing a little bit more consistently. Justin Berlander at 20. Interesting. Which is his ADP since the first day. His yeah. ADP is solidly at 20 through the first day. Then you got Goldie, who was falling, but not in this trap. And then you have Strider at 22. DeGrom at okay. 23. Jordan at 24. Austin Riley at 25, who's been dropping a little bit. Um, Klossé at 26. Nola at 27. Yeah. Seager at 28. McClanahan at 29. Devers at 30. Now that is a fascinating little, like, you're not yeah. going to see that very often where you get Trey Turner at one yeah. and Raphael Devers at two, and then you hit up Max Scherzer at three. Um, that's a heck that's of a start. That's got, to, that's got to feel pretty good.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. That's why it's fun looking at some of those boards. And like right there, you said Strider went like, what, 22 or 23? After we just said he's gone as high as 12. And, and as low as 22, that's as low. So. Yeah that's uh it says a lot right there that shows the, the volatility or variance in his mm. his adp and that, that's just it and then he all the hitters early on they're kind of uh i wouldn't say getting pushed up per se but like machado up to 13 not saying he doesn't deserve it but something you don't see every he's been day. pushing
0: up yeah he's been pushing up too it's interesting
1: yeah so some of those those names I and mean, you mentioned soto with the oblique injury that's kind of a little scary to to still trust him on the one two turn that's uh an interesting selection so yeah that's uh that's fun. Going to be fun to see where the next uh, groups of mains uh, go, and this ADP continues to fluctuate. Because definitely um, consistency in the ADP, but def- definitely like one thing I noticed this morning, and I, it, like with the Strider, is twelve to twenty-two. The variance um, like Verlander sixteen through thirty-four. Um, McLean had twenty-six through forty-one. So it's not like there's like Noah from twenty-one to twenty-nine is like a pocket where the rest of them are just like spread out, where it's all over the the board and even when you when you read off the first two rounds there it intermixed a lot of the starting pitcher compared to the ADP if you just look at the sheet like they weren't like down in order per se which you'd expect but um so yeah interesting stuff there more see Toby's doing yeah. all this research he's got some big stuff coming up he's got to be ready for the movers and you <laughs> gotta know you gotta
0: know everybody who's moving around I mean it's fascinating um yeah it's it's an interesting board some people took some interesting approaches on it so and what's fascinating to me is burns has kind of moved i want to say in mains he may be the number one he's
1: playing he's like the that. First.
0: Yeah. he just went ahead of cole burns is at 12-2-2 and cole is at 12-3-3, 12-3-3. Yep. yeah fascinating well, stuff
1: one of the things that's really interesting to me is if you just do like all the players i went back to all you mentioned Bo Bichette went like, I think it was like Bo eight Bichette. or nine. Something That Bo Bichette, uh Went eight or nine or something, but he's gone as high as four.
0: Already. Yeah, that was uh, that was Bob. Bob, that was from Bob yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I saw he that, kind of so announced
1: that. He's, he's yeah. on Team Bo, which says a lot. He's, he's He's got bumped up because he's got the four to 12 uh, situation. But, yeah, like Vlad, eight through 19. So, Vlad's fallen to 19 in some.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Tatis, the pick 10, was the highest so far. Uh, Machado 11 through 22 Freeman 11 through so there's some some gaps there as well but um, Jordan's falling quite a bit with that hand injury that's scaring people because his highest is 18th and prior like earlier in draft season he was a pretty easy like 10 to 12 give or take maybe a little mm-hmm. higher so he's falling pretty good as well which is something to uh, he's supposed to start playing great games this week they're they're not too worried about him it sounds like so we'll see but uh, yeah. native event yeah, yeah. drafters are
0: yeah, you know, Scott actually asked me about your uh, Don on the pod yesterday, um, at the on the rotor wire pod. And I didn't have I didn't have his profile in front of me. I was a little bit of a slacker, but um, Scott had mentioned how he had really dipped off in the second half, and I took a, a peek, and you know, his WRC plus during that time was still like 170, I think. Still something like that. Still a monster. He was a monster, and his home run per fly ball rate fell down to 17%. And you might be saying, like, oh well you know, that's like, that's still super high. But for Yordan, he's a 25% home run for yeah. a fly ball guy. So that's, you know, I, I don't know how much of it was. It could have certainly been the injury and I didn't look at it ground ball rate. So I, I probably should do that. Actually, I will do that just because even though this is the pitcher pot. Hey, I got no care problem about talking, people. talking
1: about this stuff because these are these are questions that I, I'm getting in like other chat rooms and stuff. Like, what are you doing with Yordan? Like, these are things that, are on the minds as we're in the hard of draft. He's like, I've got a lot of Jordan chairs. I do, so I'm trying to act like it's not a big deal because this is a dude that can hit almost 300 and hit over 40 on runs. You don't see that every day, but yeah. if there are concerns, it's valid.
0: Yeah, I mean, his ground ball rate was elevated in the second half for sure, but it was it was he had similar periods of time in the first half of the season too. If you look at his rolling 80 game average, um, let's let's make it more like. A 70-game rolling average because that's more like how often he plays. Let's see what we got. Um, yeah, I've been pretty consistent. His last 70 games, it was at a high 30s, which is right in line with his three-year average. So I think it was more. Let's let's see the home run per fly ball. Um, again, I'm not really in on your Don all that much, so I'm not saying this to encourage people to get him or anything like that. But I just felt bad because Scott had asked me about it, and I like didn't have it on there. And by the time I got it up, I, um, uh, he had moved on to the next thing. So he, this was his, yeah, it was tied for his lowest 70 game rolling average home run per fly ball, um, with the end of the previous season as well. Um, so again, doesn't mean definitively that it wasn't the injury that, you know, kept him from producing as much power in the second half, but, um, you know, everything else looked really good. Like he was still a phenomenal player.
1: Um, one of the craziest back. things you mentioned out of all of that is the fact that when in the beginning of the season, one out of every four fly balls went out of the ballpark. That is just insane to think about. When you when you think about, you could go to a game and it hits four fly balls. There's a good chance one of them left the park. That is that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. Uh, that's how good he was. It's the groove he was in. So yeah. Bottom line, ADP. It's fun to see how this is moving and shaking. Um, if you do twelve teams, go look at the OCs. There's so many of those. They do like six a day or something. So shrink that one down quickly. Like I think I did a search for like three days the other day, and there's 21 drafts in in three days. So the OCs are flying off the boards. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, a couple other pitchers that just kind of I wanted to, to, to briefly discuss based on like injury concerns or whatever. When people are kind of asking like, Hey, where would you take so and so? Carlos Rodon, who there's some maybe more positive news coming out. I'm still kind of skeptical of the situation, but uh, right now he's the 32nd pitcher off the board. That includes relief pitchers, ADP of 74. He's got as high as 57 in these first nine drafts. I'm still hesitant to take him, even though I know how good he can be, and that bit me in the rear end a couple years ago. I'm very aware of that. But when he's going around other pitchers, like, you know, Gallon's got his issues right now with velocity, but – Fran Valdez, you Darvish going right in front of him. I love Robbie Ray going right after him. I'll even take the, the toe of Joe Musgrove type situation. So how are you looking at, at, at Rodon here? He's kind of sandwiched in between those starting pitchers.
0: Yeah, I'm not really interested in Rodon. I mean, these are these are golden picks and so I don't really want to spend a ton of draft um capital on him and and so going to ADP of I think you mentioned 74. Um yeah, I'm, I'm just – I'm not willing to go there. I mean, you have the injury history with his arm. Um, I think, you know, last year without having any injuries, he pitched 178. So, you know, um, the projections are a little bit all over the place on him. I think I have him for 130 innings. Um, I can double-check that. Um, but, yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested. I just think it's too – too risky at that point and certainly he can help win you a league but we could always also lose it for you so yeah that's that's um, my concern yeah
1: in a big big way uh, another starting pitcher that's been moving up draft boards as he continues to throw in the spring and continues to dominate and continue to remind us of the chris sale of old adp of 101 so far 41st pitcher off the board he's gone as high as 81. Which is in the Robbie Ray realm of things. Like you want to talk about a, a, a difference in picks, eighty-one through one hundred and thirty for Chris Sale, all over the board for Chris Sale. Um, I'm starting to like what I'm seeing. I was always kind of, I really liked him at his original ADP of like one seventy-ish because I believed he'd be able to kind of be a workhorse, kind of like Verlander was in the past. Now you have to pay for him a little bit, and now he's more of an SP three, hopefully, if not an SP two. If you waited, um, how are you looking at the Chris Sale thing as? You know, missing the season through to Tommy John, but he's older. Velocity looks good. They should just let him run because they don't have a lot of choices in Boston.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super. I'm not super into Sale um, at this moment in time. Um, again, questions around the injury. You know, how much he's going to pitch. You know, in the last four seasons, the most innings he's thrown is 158 back in 2018. So, you got to think that that's probably the cap, but I think you're much more likely looking at, you know, 130, and the projections seem to be pretty on board with that as well. You know, you can't really deny the skills, but, you know, he's also struggled a little bit, right? Like in 2019, he had 147 innings at a 440 ERA, you know, a decent amount of bad luck, but he had home run issues. In 2021, 42.2 innings, but yet again, 1.27 home runs per nine you know, and that's not really something that he dealt with throughout his whole career. And so I think you're seeing kind of a different picture. Uh, Does he, does he have upside? Oh, for sure. But I I wonder what the upside is at 130 innings. Um, You know, maybe I'll be like Eaton Crow on that one, like later on in the year. But for me, I don't want to get a guy who's going to throw 130 innings at pick 101. If I think a guy's going to go 130 innings, And I want to go after him. I'm going to draft Clayton Kershaw. Who's going after that, you know? Um, So better team, better ratios, maybe not the same strikeout upside, but again, we don't know what we're getting for, from Chris Sale, right? He hasn't pitched in a couple seasons. So um, yeah. And how late is he going to go into games? All of those types of questions. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one to see his climb up boards this draft season and, Really climbing up here at the main event, and the last guy I had written down here was Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves. He kind uh, of got, got a slow start to spring. To me, I compare it to the way Zach Wheeler was treated last year. It could be totally different. It sounded like kind of like a, just kind of a dead arm shoulder situation. There's like no damage, and he's you know he's throwing fine now. We'll see. Time will tell. He might miss. It looks like he's gonna miss a couple starts, similar to Zach Wheeler. Um, could be just totally wrong here, but. He seems like he is taking a bit of a hit here on this one. ADP of 154. He's on as high as 121, as low as 172. And, you know, you got Luis Garcia, Jomo, Reed Detmers, even Dustin May going ahead of him. So uh, Reed Detmers? Are, yeah, Reed Detmers. We, we got a re, We got a Reed right. Detmers situation coming yeah, up we, on the we show. Got, we got a Reed um, situation. But sure. with Kyle Wright, it seems like, you know, uh, Chris Sale gets the bump up. Uh, Strider's getting the bump up. Rodon's kind of, you know, sitting around. Kyle Wright looks like he's actually getting a bit of a hit with this injury situation. Um, How are you looking at him?
0: Yeah, I'm not super interested in Wright. I wasn't like super interested to begin with. Um, You know, he was not nearly as good in the second half as he was in the first half, you know, generated a lot of um, his value. I mean, not a lot of his value, right? He had a, he had a fantastic season, right? 319 ERA, 116 whip, you know, that's, that's really good. Um, so I don't want to take that away from him. You know, he had the 21 wins as well. It was just one of those seasons where kind of everything, um, went well for the guy, but, um, and let me just, I'll just pull up his second half just so I'm not talking out of my butt. Um, but, you know, I remember having him on a couple teams last year and, you know, he was, he was a little debatable, you know, that, um, that second half of the year so yeah over his last 10 you know the in zone contact rate uh jumped up to 87 percent so worse than league average his o swing was really solid which for him is really important i mean walks have always been kind of an issue and he actually had a much better o swing towards the um towards the second half of the season but i think kind of he was all over the place still his uh walk rate increased to 7.2 percent which is right around league average for starters you know, K rate was below league average at 22.8%. Swinging strike rate fell to 11.3%. Again, he could go back to his numbers last year, but the fact that he's injured early on, um, the fact that I'm, I think he was probably playing above um, his actual skill level, um, you know, for those reasons, you know, he had a 78.9% strand rate, which is not outrageous in today's game, but for a guy who doesn't strike out a ton of players um, is certainly beneficial 16.4 percent k minus walk rate over the full season very solid but not exceptional um, so I wasn't really interested uh, in right to begin with and still am not really
1: perfect any other uh, standouts to you on adp or would you like to do some adp debates
0: oh God standouts um,
1: or surprises uh, I wonder I how many
0: um let me just see i'm trying to think yeah Demers was one guy i mean we're going to talk about him later so i won't i won't detail that but he's kind of the big biggest mover um of everybody just looking here for some you know it's just the overall story of starting pitching moving up um freddie peralta i feel like has moved up a decent amount as well um up to 130 yeah alex cobb is in the 13th round you know um so he's up he's up about 40 spots as well so again like it's nothing surprising like the guys who people like the guys who are showing skills either in spring training or last year that we're encouraging are starting to move up those boards and so it's fascinating to see how each draft is unique in the way it runs like today pitching actually didn't move up that much and it was interesting to see what the draft board looks like when that happened um, you know, but like tomorrow there will be one where there's four guys who go in the first round. Right. So, um, really fascinating to see those movements, but yeah, let's, let's move on. Let's move on.
1: All righty. Let's head to some ADP debates and we'll have some like, you know, just tough pick your poison ones at the top of the drafts. And as we go down, these will all be within the top 200 of ADP so far in the main event. And we'll start with Aaron Nola at ADP 25.33. And Justin Verlander at 25.89. I mentioned earlier how Nola's going anywhere from 21 to 29, where Verlander's going as high as 16 and as low as 34. So there's a little more volatility in there. You know, you got Verlander coming off the Cy Young year, goes to New York now. His first year after Tommy John and the Cy Young. And then you got Nola, who's just, you know, steady Eddie to me. So um, how do you kind of debate these two potentially if you're in
0: a draft room? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a debate I'm still having with myself, you know, about these two because I do really like them. I mean, they're both really great pitchers. Um, for Verlander, you know, you feel pretty good about the ERA. He's in a great stadium again. He's that high fly ball pitcher. He keeps the Babbitt supremely low consistently, which helps his whip because he also doesn't walk guys. So even when he does give up homers, they're generally solo shots. You know, he is playing for the Mets and man, the way this Mets' season is going, who, who knows what's going to end up happening, but I feel pretty good about the ratios, you know, with Verlander. I think the bigger question mark to me, I think we talked about it in the preview or the review is, is that, is the, is the, uh, strikeout skills, you know, they didn't really didn't match up with what we were seeing there, but he's looked good this spring as well, you know, and he's, he's another season away from Tommy John, still within that kind of window of, of, uh, relative um lack of concern so that's nice so i feel like you probably are getting better ratios with furlander you're probably getting fewer strikeouts you're probably getting similar wins to nola with nola you know he's got the volume so he's got the innings pitched you know the era has been a little the, the whip has been pretty strong consistently the era has been fluctuating a little bit somewhat homer prone occasionally but helped out by the, the, by the better ball as well. The strikeouts I feel like in volume are gonna be there as well. So I think it really just depends you know, what you're gonna do. I think it's fascinating that they're going side by side in AVP because I think you gotta be happy if you get either one of them, but um, you know, I think, I think you, you go either way. I think it's more about like, if you draft Nola, maybe you go in a different direction later on. If you draft Verlander, maybe you go in a different direction later on. Like it's kind of goes down to that rotation construction and where you're getting your Ks, where you're getting your ratios, things like that. So I still, I, I honestly, like I'd be lying to you if I, uh, if I told you that I had decided. I imagine, you know, I've got four drafts this weekend. I imagine I will have um, eat both of them on one team, you know? Um, probably, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, that's why it's a tough one for me because I like I love Nola. So, for me, if I have to pick one or two, it's Nola, mm-hmm. mainly because the consistency of innings and whatnot, even though I believe Verlander's still going to give you a ton of innings, there's still a concern. You know, first year he – you know, first full season after Tommy John. Now, so it's year two of that. They talk about the honeymoon period, all those scenarios. Uh Ratios will be great. Strikeouts will be great with Verlander, like you said. Uh Just Nola is just a consistent – you know, he's going to go out there and give you the innings, you know, 205, 180, 202, 212 he's just a a beast in that department strikeouts will still be there you know just can you limit the home runs like you said because the ratios it's just it's a combination of phillies have bad defense type situation and he he's that guy that i think people just don't like him because he has those great starts with one bad inning all the time and just people remember that stuff with nola i i go nola over these two i have both throughout my drafts i've done a lot of drafts so i have both Earlier in draft season, NOLA was going much later. than Verlanders, you could almost get both if you wanted to. Now that they're going like side by side, it's it's a really interesting situation. And I guess it goes to show you in a 15-team format where a lot of my drafts were 12, that stability of NOLA is much more valuable per se than just going Yolo with a Verlander and hoping for the ceiling again. There, there's a difference in that regard. So I go Team NOLA in this one. That, that That's my decision. But uh, very, very close, and it's very interesting to me that they're Neck and neck in ADP right now. That that was a a big surprise to me going forward. All right, we dropped down a little farther. A guy that still just does not get the respect. Somehow I think he deserves it. Maybe I'm just crazy. Kevin Gossman, ADP of 44.67, as high as 38. Luis Castillo, ADP of 46.89, ADP as high as 35. Um, How do you look at these two in an ADP debate?
0: Yeah, um, for me in an ADP debate, this is a, this is kind of a tough one too. Um, uh, I I lean, I lean Gaussman in this one. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know. It's just so it's, these are all tough ones, right? Like they're all going around each other for reasons. With Gaussman, you know, there's like maybe a little bit of luck on some things last year, maybe a little bit of, I mean, a little bit of luck on some things, a little bit of bad luck on other things. You know, I love the fact that he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He generates that really high O swing, but Luis Castillo has been pretty similar. And I mean, the Mariners know what they're doing. And so, like, when I look at Castillo's last 10, 81.2% in zone contact, 35.1% O swing, 28.9% K minus walk or, or K rate, 5.9% walk rate. So, really getting those walks, you know, under control um, when he went over to the Mariners, you know, so that's 22% K minus walk. 14.2% swinging strike. So, all of those numbers are really good. Like, you've got to like those. And what's, what's interesting about uh, Castillo as well is that, you know, that was with his changeup getting worse last year. Um, you know, his changeup, the swinging strike rate on his changeup, and for those of you that follow this pretty closely, like 12.9%. You know, this is a guy that two years ago had a changeup with a 22.8% swinging strike rate, 26.7%. 26.1%. You know, like that to me is fascinating, right? So maybe there's an there, maybe there's an next level for Castillo there, but I also like haven't been that into him, honestly. Like I haven't, I haven't really, really gone after him that closely. And then Gaussman, like you look at him too, and then he's playing for a really good Jays team, you know, it's gonna score a lot of runs. Win should be there. Some questions about like the stadium a little bit. Um, but let me just get my handy dandy thing here and look over the same period for Gaussman as Luis Castillo and you are going to get, you got 83.9% in zone contact. You got 41.3% O swing. I mean, that's ludicrous, you know, a 41 point percent O swing. Like you're just not going to walk dudes doing that. Right when when almost half of the pitches you throw outside the zone are swung at and that really means that most of the pitches that are anywhere near the zone are swung at right because there's always the ones that are just kind of wasted pitches you got a k rate at 28.7 you've got a 15.2 percent swinging strike rate you got a 3.4 percent walk rate right so you got a 25 percent k minus walk i mean both of those guys that's those are all elite numbers for them so um, again, I think Eileen Gaussman just because he hasn't had the same, at least recent struggles that Castillo has. I worry a little bit about the cold weather narrative with Castillo as well. Remember, he really struggled in Cincinnati and he's in Seattle, and Seattle's not super cold. I mean, I lived there for a while, but. And they can close the roof. It's also not super rude. Right? It's not super room. It's sort of super warm either, right? Like yeah. it's not going to really get there for a little bit. So um, it's pretty far up there if you look at that. Uh, Whatever that is, longitude or latitude, latitude, latitude the latitude I always mix them up. So, um, but yeah, I think they're both good pitchers. I would, I would think I'd lean Gossman there.
1: Yeah, it's Gossman for me, and I love Luis Castillo. We've talked about him for years on this show, and I don't think I have very many shares at all this year. I have a lot of shares of Kevin Gossman. Um, a couple of reasons why is I love again. This is just nitpicky because, like you said, they're they're neck and neck. But um, I just to me, Gossman's got the better overall the team per se, given the Mariners will be much better this year. Um, but I just like Gosman. what we've seen over and over for the last three, like four out of five years, even if you want to, the ratios have been good. The strikeouts have been really good for four straight seasons. He limits the walks, the ball stays in the ballpark. There's just so many factors that just consistency that I really, really like. And he seems to just do it over and over again. Where Castillo with the Mariners is the dream we've always wanted to get out of great American small park. And he was just amazing outside of there. He's always been pretty good, but the whip's been a concern with Castillo and the walks went down a bit more. Like you said, the Mariners know what they're doing. He's throwing a lot more in the zone and all those little things. But he still had a pretty healthy walk rate overall. And, then, you know, if he can continue to improve on that, that's great. But the, the ground ball rate dropped a ton last year. That used to be like his his forte. and get a bunch of ground balls and strikeouts with the, with the changeup. It just didn't happen as much last year. So it makes you wonder sure he can let the ball elevate more in Seattle than he couldn't in Great American. So maybe that zone contact you mentioned, hey, go for it. Let, 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 let it rip. So it's uh, it's kind of a mixed bag there. I love Luis Castillo. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of Luis Castillo. I just feel like Gossman's got like a Cy Young ceiling where Castillo's got a very good ceiling. Like Gossman can be one of those guys we look back at the end of the season, like you look at the player Raider or something, and he's a top five starting pitcher, and no one would be surprised just because he's got that arsenal. Where Castillo becoming a top five starting pitcher might surprise a few people. So it's just that it's picking at straws to me, and that's what it is. So I go Kevin Gossman in this one. Um, no problems with Luis Castillo, but uh, it's Gossman for me. All right, the next one, this one, I'm really curious to see where you go with this one. And this kind of had some movers in ADP, actually. Dylan Cease, ADP at 55.22, Julio Uriah is 57.56. You now, Cease had the amazing season last year, still some concerns with potential walk situations. Huriel Julio Urias maybe he doesn't get you the innings, but does get you the strikeouts and a whole bunch of wins with the Doyers. So, uh, how do you look at Dylan Cease and Julio Urias?
0: Yeah, neither of them have really been a target for me um, this year at all. Um, you know, Cease is actually showing up pretty well when I look at just um, valuations, but I worry about the walks. Like I, we talked about it before, so I won't belabor it, but he walks a lot of guys. I think he led the league actually in, in number of walks issued. And part of that was because he went pretty far into games and threw a lot of innings, but, um, yeah, I, I just, um, I uh, yeah, I'm, I just, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, if I can go back there. I feel like I, I made out really well last year and I worry that we're going to be back in the, in the 2021 range. I mean, maybe slightly better than that, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but still like a really good pitcher. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being uh, outrageous. I, I don't know, but, um, you know, the, the, the projections he has right now are not terrible, right? Like three, five, nine yeah. or the bat has him at like, well, that's the worst one. So let's just go <laughs> steamer three seven four one two 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 hundred twenty seven 227 strikeouts. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, you know, the ERA, maybe not what you want, but otherwise, and then Urias, like, I always want to like him. Like the theory of Urias is, um, is, is, is interesting. Like he's always good, you know? Um, but I also struggle a little bit with, um, you know, the fact that the skills don't necessarily support it. Um, and that's a little bit challenging. And last year seemed to really be like kind of the best of, of all the worlds for him. So I'm probably skipping out on both of them. If I had to take one guy probably went into this thinking cease and i'd probably go with or i went in with it going Urias and i'd probably go back to cease but
1: yeah that's the conundrum i have that's why i wanted to bring this one up to see what you had to say on this one and we talked about this one a barf this is what i hit home like i am not a dylan cease guy but he felt like 77 or something and i was like okay well that's like when you look at projections and everything like he blows whatever's left out of the water in that scenario so yeah dylan C's come on down but there's this very smart guy that I know named uh, Toby Toby G, and uh, he's always warned me about uh, my whip issues on teams, because of the certain guys I like. And Dylan C mm-hmm. is a red flag for the whip situation. Like he had a one 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 last year, by far the best of his career. But that was a lot due to the amount of innings he pitched, as Toby mentioned. Otherwise, he's like a one two five one three, maybe more type dude. And a lot of the projections have him around more like that one two five guy, um, at this point in the draft you can't really, to me, afford that kind of a whip. Like, that comes later in the draft because you don't have a choice type really? situation. Yeah, I like the right way right you Like, that's one thing I've been really trying to focus on that Toby's instilled in my head. Like, hey, look at these. That's maybe another reason why the Castillo versus Gossman thing for me. Like, because Castillo's always been a high whip guy. Not so much last year, but, you know, let's do it a few times. So I get really nervous with Dylan But then there's the Hillary Rias, we talked about it in the previews, that maybe I need to like, get this bias out of my head. With Urias, like, you know, he doesn't pitch a ton of games, blah, blah, blah. Still with 175 innings, 185 the year before. Doesn't rack up a ton of strikeouts. He's almost like a mini Alcantara. He needs the innings to be relevant, but you're not paying the premium like you are with Alcantara, and you get a whole lot of wins, given Dodgers aren't going to be as good this year, I have a feeling. Just a hunch, and that's not my Giants' bias That's just us looking at this team. It's not the Dodgers of old. Let's put it that way. So that's why this was an interesting one to me, seeing them next to each other. It's like two completely different pitching profiles but both had great years last year. So it's like, do you see them stay the same? Do you see them take the jump or do you see them fall back to kind of maybe what we expect them to be? That's the conundrum at this point in the draft. I'll take your eyes from this one. Cause I think there's a little more consistency there than with Dylan Cease. but it's not a warm and fuzzy thing. I don't have many shares of either one. <clears throat> I don't think I have any Urias to be honest, which is crazy. And like I said, that cease is only cause he fell so much and it just became a point where I was willing to take the chance at that time. Could be wrong. But yeah, give me Julio Urias in this one. And it's uh, not a great one, but it was an interesting discussion seeing where they're going in drafts right now. Another one that's kind of moving around is uh, you got Ullett, and they switched spots after this last draft because Yu Darvish was going ahead of Alec Manoa. But now Alec Manoa is a pick ahead of Yu Darvish at 68.11 and Yu Darvish is at 69.11. So they're a pick apart in drafts. Manoa doing Manoa things, velocity down a bit this spring. And you got Darvish, who's pretty darn awesome. And it's kind of each year goes a little farther down in ADP as he gets older, but still kind of produces. So, how do you look at Manoa and you, Darvish? Yeah, I'll go with
0: Darvish uh, on Darvish. Darvish. I'll go with, you know, what I'm used to saying is uh, Darwin Nunez, um, yep. who is uh, the Liverpool striker. Um, I'll go with Darvish um, on this one pretty clearly. I think Manoa is of no interest to me whatsoever.
1: Yeah, no, I've been so anti-Manoa, and people love him. And the drop-in strikeouts last year, a ton more innings. The ratios were great, but you look at the, uh, the the indicators, not so much. I just have a lot of concerns with Alec Manoa, and hey, prove me wrong, kid, if you want. Where Darvish just does it year after year for me, So and he's on a really good team. So yeah, I'm 100% with you. The reason I brought this one up is because, to me, this one's not as close as I think people are making it to be. And maybe that's just my thing, but you kind of seem to have the same mindset on this as well. But uh, like I said, when I made this list before this last draft, there was the flip-flops, and they've already Manoa's overtaken him, so it's an interesting development here. And a lot of smart people like Manoa. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'll take Darvish over Manoa as well. Robbie Ray, a guy that I am insanely high on this year, and not just because what he's doing in spring, this was before spring. ADP of 81.56, and you got Tristan McKenzie coming off a monster season. Some people really, really love the kid's sticks, as they call him, because he looks like he sticks wearing baseball pants. Um, how do you look at these two come draft day? Yeah, these ones are
0: interesting. You know, Ray is fascinating. R- Ray and Detmers actually remind. They're similar to me because they're both in a situation where um, their velo is up on – according to everything except for any Statcast cast data they haven't pitched in front of Statcast cast data yet right and so i always want to see these things because i don't know like they're like he's 96 to 97 and it's like okay well is that like 95.5 you know to you know 94.5 to 95.5 or is that you know whatever so um with ray though i mean the really glowing reports in spring training um so it have piqued my interest a little bit, at least. And I think if you if you're thinking about like a team that goes for somebody who doesn't get a ton of K's earlier on, you know, maybe he's a guy that you go to later on. I think the challenge is he's also in the in kind of a group of players that's a really intriguing um, hitters as well, and some of some of your last closers too. So um, you know, for that reason, um, yeah, I, I I am interested in in Ray. I don't know whether I'm going to go as high as it is right now. Um, Tristan McKenzie is also really interesting. I mean, he was incredibly good um, towards the end of last year. Um, Generates a really nice O swing, which keeps the walk rate low. You know, he really, I want to say he got much better as the season progressed as well um, in the second half. I hope I'm not making that up. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, he is an extreme fly ball pitcher um, and he gives up a ton of hard contact, a ton of barrels. And so I worry a little bit about that, um, you know, with him, I think oftentimes, though, this is kind of like the zone of non interest for me only because I've generally gotten like a good a few starting pitchers at this point. And so it's tough for me to kind of dip back in here. I'm, I'm generally targeting offense here. So I probably will not end up with either one of these guys. But I could see like if they fall a little bit maybe going after them or if I don't if my pitching doesn't start the same way that I'm expecting you know pivoting to, to a array or something like that I can definitely see that happening yeah so for Tristan McKenzie you know the in-zone contact was 84.9 percent you know so he can't really beat you in the zone necessarily but he's got like 40 percent O swing which is glorious he's got a 28.2 percent you know K rate he's got a 14.4 percent swinging strike rate a 4.5 percent walk rate it's actually a pretty similar profile to what you're seeing with Kevin Gaussman. Um, I, I keep on saying Gaussman, but it's Gosman, right yeah, yeah it's I Gaussman. just like really pronouncing that U. Um, so yeah, so both really interesting to me um, I can see why people are interested in them. Um, if I had to pick I'd uh, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Ray, but I don't know for sure I'm not 100 percent on that.
1: And this is why I wanted to ask it because it's really close for you where it's not for me, but I understand why it is. Like, I look at McKenzie, amazing season last year. He's still so young. Like There is always hope, and, you know, people hate the word pedigree for him. Like, there was always – he's 25 right now, for crying out loud. be 26 in August. There was a lot of expe- high expectations for McKenzie, and he kind of had a couple cups of coffee, and we saw some good and some bad. And last year, he really put it all together. He won 191 innings after 120 in 2021. Uh, the only concerns I have for him is, A, the innings increase is just a, a bit concerning. But the other thing is, like, the strikeout rate dropped a couple percent. But the walk rate dropped a ton, too, and that, that's obviously a big plus. And you mentioned the O swing and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of good and just kind of some slight concerns for me with him. Whereas Robbie Ray, it's just he's doing it year in and year out. It's like 190-plus innings. He's, so we, we talk about a world where we want innings, boom, ratios. Maybe not elite. Like McKenzie might end up having better ratios. You know, 371 last year for Ray at 284 in his Cy Young year, but maybe he settles in at a 3 you 3. Know, That'd be pretty solid if he could do it. If it's a big if, I get it. Uh, would be pretty sweet. Last year's you know, left on base rate was a lot more reasonable compared to his Cy Young season. So maybe last year's more the Robbie Ray we should expect. Also in Seattle, which will be nice. But what I like about Robbie Ray a lot, and he even did it last year, strikeout rate about 27% again for this. He's done that every year since 2016. The walk rate at 8%, you know, the last two seasons, 8% and 6.7. He's not in that 10 to 17%. Just stay in that single digits. I don't care if it's a high eight or nine. He can survive in that realm, which makes him really good. Obviously, the higher it is, the worse the whip situation goes back to the Dylan Cease thing. But to me, Cease and Ray are two different pitchers in my mind, where like volatility wise. Um, so I love Robbie Ray. And in a scenario where I might wait on pitching, per se and maybe this is my sp2 unfortunately i'll take ray every time because i want that that floor that he brings where tristan mckenzie has more volatility to me maybe a higher ceiling in certain categories but i'll take robbie ray i'm I'm a big robbie ray fan and again it's not just because what we're seeing in spring spring's been awesome it's been great to see don't get me wrong but this is a guy i've been very very high on all draft season and it's so to me it's nice to see the stuff in spring to kind of support his uh development but we'll wait and see all right, a couple more here, and then we'll do some uh, deeper targets and some listener questions. Uh, Lance Lynn, uh, pick 115.9. He's been moving up boards compared to his early draft season price, and rightfully so in my mind. Could be the WBC bump that Toby was talking about with some other guys earlier. Uh, and then Logan Webb, ADP of 118. This is an interesting one because kind of similar builds if you really look at them. But um, similar pitchers, but kind of a little different. Depends on how you want to look at it. So how do you look at Lance Lynn versus Logan Webb?
0: yeah I mean you're picking really good ADP debates honestly um Lance Lynn I, I like more um if you look at what Lance Lynn did, did in the second half of last year and he's kind of continuing it a, continued it a little bit in spring he was really good like the K rate wasn't where it was supposed to be he developed like a a, a true slider like he really just had fastballs and a cutter that he was using previously um and that seems to have uh, made him a more effective pitcher the strikeout rate wasn't out of this world but the walk rate was really low Um, his K minus walk was over 20%. I I think we've talked about it a couple times on the pod, so I won't go too much into it. So I really do like him. I think the White Sox are actually a little bit surprising, you know, like I think we were all in on them kind of last year in a lot of ways and a lot of injuries hit them and, um, you know, if they can stay healthy, which is a big if, I mean, Eloy was injured today, I think like a, just a cramp in his calf or something like that, but, um, you know, like. Uh yeah, they just, they still have really good pitchers, you know. And if they can if they can put it all together, they could be really effective. I, I do like Lance, Lance Lynn. Logan Webb's actually pretty interesting, you know. I haven't I haven't gone too deep in him on him, but you know, one thing I'm noticing is just like, you know, later on in the year he actually did improve pretty dramatically, um at least from a skills perspective. Um he started throwing that sinker again more and he saw an increase in his strikeout rate he saw a decrease in his walk rate down to 2.7 percent over his last five um you know the swinging strike rate went up to 11 which again is not fantastic but it is very good for him in the way that he pitches extreme ground ball you know so a lot of kind of encouraging signs there um, but i think i'm going with i think i'm going with lynn i mean the one question that i would have You know, and I guess you could do this for a lot of different pitchers, but like for for guys who are drafting Chris Sale is last year, you know, Logan Webb threw 192 innings with a 290 ERA, 116 whip and 163 strikeouts. If Chris Sale gets to 130 innings, will he reach that level of strikeouts? You know, and will he have those ratios? and if so, you know, if if not, if you think if the answer to that question is maybe not, like then then and then, then yeah, then why?
1: It's a great question. That's a a heck of a way to do it. Let's put it that way. Um for me it, this is an interesting one because I liked it a lot better. Like I so said, when Lynn was going farther down, because you can get both these guys, <laughs> and that was when it was fun for me. Uh, you mentioned the improvements from Webb in the second half, and that really stood out to me. Not just because I'm a Giants fan and I watched him; like it was mm-hmm. pe- people say, you know, the strikeouts kept dropping with Webb. It was a pitch mix thing with Webb last year, and you mentioned how the second half he started using the sinker more. It's almost like he started using what was working for him more. And he, he figured out how to pitch, which I like to see, because if my pitcher doesn't have certain things, I still want him to survive, go six, seven innings, get the dub. And he was doing that. He started figuring that out. And then he still got starts when the strikeouts were there. So that was good to see with Webb. He's still super young. He's developing. Um, and then what we're seeing this spring is, and we heard reports before spring started, he was working on another pitch. And we've seen that kind of get incorporated this spring. And we've seen velos get a little better, because that was oh, a concern what, what, with the velo dropping. So um, – it's something to watch. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all because, you know, the guys can ditch a pitch just as quick as they start to, to try to throw a pitch. But just the fact he's always trying to reinvent himself. Like last year he said, oh, this isn't working. Let's throw the sinker. year before, hey, fastball's working. Let's strike everybody out. Like he's, he, he's always willing to reinvent, and I think that's a really great thing to have on a fantasy pitcher because we've had seasons, and you know, Toby, when certain pitchers, like it hits the wall, there ain't no coming back because that's all they have. And that's like a frustrating thing where Webb can, you know, maybe a start or two or rough, but then he figures something else out and goes. Lynn on the other side. He had the knee injuries early on. Once healthy, it's just clear how good he was again. It was like he was that dude. And we know he's a workhorse. We know he can throw the innings. Like the strikeouts will be there. It's always scary when he pretty much just throws a fastball four different ways, and that's a terrifying thing, but he knows how to do it. He can figure it out. Eileen Lance Lynn because I do trust the strikeouts more with Lance Lynn. But Webb is a guy – the reason I wanted to bring this up, because A, they're close pitchers, but I would not be shocked if we see Webb to be the guy people were drafting last season when he was up in drafts. And then he kind of let people down, so he's kind of dropped again this year. I think he's be very, very good. So I've heard a lot of like, oh, no, Webb doesn't do this and that. I'm like, no, he does. He does. You just got to pay attention to what he's doing. He's a different – like he's a cerebral pitcher. And I think it's a very – Very interesting thing to have. So I go Lynn over Webb in this one. I have no problem with either one of these guys. If they land on my team, it's like this is an SP3 for me or something. I'm pumped with either one of these guys. Very, very happy. I think they both bring great floors to your team, which helps in in a big, big way. All right. uh, Let's do one more debate here and we'll go with Dustin May. This one's like, I don't know, ADP of 141, as high as 121. And then the man you mentioned, Mr. Reed taking spring training by storm detmers adp of 141.89 So almost a pick apart as high as 125 so i'll let you have the floor here toby this is uh dustin may who we don't even know how many innings he's gonna throw and then reed detmers who we saw the second half slider adjustment and we see what he's doing this spring and adp just keeps climbing
0: yeah i'm not really interested in may uh most innings he's ever thrown in a major league season is 56. Um, I just think the innings are going to be questionable. I think whether he even goes five innings on a regular basis are is going to be a little bit of a question as well. Um, I just think that there's a lot of uh, yeah. I just don't I don't re- really see it um, for May uh, for Detmers. I can see it for sure. I mean, I did have pitcher list uh, thing for for PitchCon, and Detmers was above ag- average over when, after he returned from the minors across the board um, as a pitcher. And so, I think the thing for him is going to be like there's r- reports of a velocity increase from this spring. But he hasn't been measured on stat cast, so I'm a little leery of it, only because I feel like we hear these things all the time. Like, remember Lucas Giolito last year? Lucas Giolito's at 95, 96, 97, you know? And it's like sometimes there's some confusion about whether that was topping out at, you know, in which case you take three miles per hour from where they're sitting, right? So like I just I, I'm a little hesitant to believe it, and I think that's generating an overwhelming amount of hype on Detmers. Um, but I also think that if it's legit, I mean, he could be incredibly good. Like we've seen guys, we've seen Giolito, it happened to him, it happened to Blake Snell. Like those guys that get that velo bump are the guys that take that to that next level. I just think it's gonna be Joey Wentz. You know, that's 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 all I think. No, I'm just kidding. Um, although Joey Wentz is, is plus two miles per hour on his fastball, on his oh, yes, um, but yeah, so, Again, I'm not really interested in Detmers where he's going right now. Um, There's going to be some fun bidding on auctions. I think on Detmers, Um, good point. uh, You know, like there's already been some fun, fun betting from some fun uh, stuff from what I've heard um, in terms of those some of those auctions. Um, Him going for more than twice uh, what he was going for before uh, the big auctions hit. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Detmers. You know, I'm I'm not probably going to be playing there. I had him last year a little bit unfortunately the bad times <laughs> but um yeah I, I i can see why people are interested but i'm just not going to go there i
1: think yeah i'll keep this one short and sweet i've never been uh interested on um dustin may i think he's amazing i've always said like hey he's gonna be a really cool like he's th- he's made for gifts this is what he does he's awesome to watch i'm not interested until i know how many innings the kid's pitching because like the injuries he's had and the concerns and even when he was around they were still like control issues at times last year like if guys aren't chasing the slider there's a lot of question marks he's electric i am not doubting that at all between these two i'll take Reed detmers easily now on draft day like you said can i pay that price for Reed detmers that's a massive problem that's a, a major major concern um on the on this situation but um like i'm looking at Reed detmers that say tout wars mixed auctions you were you were asking to see one where you go he'll for 11 bucks over the weekend so not too bad. Um, that, I think he'll be a little higher come your NFBC auctions. Let's put it that way than eleven bucks, but that gives you at least a, a base to go off of. But I'll go Detmers. So I'll go for the, uh, the consistency and the upside there. But it's it's tough at that that price. That's for darn sure. Uh, we'll do this one real quick uh, just because I think it's interesting looking at two young guns getting pushed up draft boards. To me, uh, you got Hunter Brown at one seventy two. We don't know how many innings he's going to throw versus Grayson Rodriguez at 178. We actually kind of have an idea on how many innings he's going to throw. They've already kind of mentioned that I'm not really in on either one at their ADPs. If I had to pick one, I'll say I'll take Hunter Brown just because I think there's maybe more of an upside there, but how do you look at Brown versus uh, Grayson Rodriguez?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not really in on either one of them either. I would go with Grayson um, Rodriguez. If I have to choose between the two of them, I just think this stuff is better and, I think that I don't think there's a ton of question about whether he can strike guys out. I think it's just a matter of kind of, um, you know, how well he'll do hitting the ground running. I'm not really interested in Hunter Brown either. I don't really understand the hype. So last year he did really well in the regular season in the playoffs, you know, pitching for the Astros, which is great. You know, 20 innings, 22 strikeouts. But when you look below the, the hood a little bit, right, he's pitching out of the bullpen, right? So he's probably pitching two miles per hour higher than he usually does. His swing strike rate was only 10%. His O-swing was 29.5. His in-zone contact was 89.8. He had an 18.8% K-minus walk rate. Gave up zero home runs in those innings. A 90.9% strand rate. You know, so here's a guy who kind of had everything go well for him. He was pitching out of the bullpen where his stuff is going to play up as is. And um, yeah, I just yeah, I'm not really interested in it. I don't know. But But you can also see like the Astros, you know, you want to get pitchers on the Astros and he's relatively inexpensive as it goes for that. But um, I just don't see the skills playing up as much. We'll see though. Yep.
1: We shall see. It'll be fun to watch the young guns and see what the final stats could be. Let's talk about some later targets based on the NFC main event, ADPs, ADPs, 200s through 300, Um, you know, and for you, especially, I guess if you take a couple of pitchers early, they take a lot of bats for a while. This might be kind of your wheelhouse here um so don't give away all your tricks toby as you have a big weekend ahead but who are some of the starting pitchers you're looking at between 200 and 300. yeah I won't, I won't
0: give away any all my stuff um don't worry about it um i think there are interesting guys so like i'll just kind of run through um Nate Iobaldi is interesting i'm um, he's going at 214 he started pitching again um you know his velo is supposedly up a little bit again haven't seen the stat cast data on it but um He's interesting. He was going all the way back towards the three hundreds when he was injured earlier this postseason. Um, he plays up really well on the on the projection systems. They like him a lot. Clark Schmidt has been going up a ton. I, I liked him a lot more when he was like in the three hundreds um, a little bit. Miles um, uh, Mikolas is a guy I like. You know, kind of slow and steady. You know what you're going to get. Um, I guess he's like a Logan Webb light maybe because the ratios sure. generally aren't as good, but um, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Um, Hayden Wisniewski. I know like everybody loves, loves him. Um, he's pitched really well. He looks like he's going to get the starting job there. Um, so I think that that is nice. Um, let's see. Speaking of Astro starters, Jose Urquidy is interesting as well um, plays nice. Steven Matz has had a really nice spring, um, generally consistent as long as he can stay healthy. David Peterson is really interesting. Um, you know, maybe getting the starting job there. It looks like it might go to Tyler McGill, who's down a couple miles per hour on his fastball, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Peterson get a really solid chance there. Stroman, if you've got your K's already, you know, the ratios are pretty, pretty nice for him. K's are low, but, um, you know, that's super, that could be helpful. Um, Erod and Matt Boyd are interesting they both have increased velo and have looked really good this um, this spring so those are two guys and then um, Ross Stripling is another one uh, that I like too um, who you know um, really pitched was underrated last year he pitched really well when he came on uh, came on for it but it's interesting to see like Brandon fat there, you know, and he's not even making it. Right. So yeah. Some of those
1: drafts happened before he didn't make it though. So we'll see where that goes this after this next weekend for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And just to clarify before, I'm not, I'm not uh, being disingenuous in terms of who I'm interested in and who I like in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a lot of different pictures, I think, depending on what your build is that you can kind of go with, Um, you know? And so I think that that um, as well as like, you know, it's kind of like Clark Schmidt. It's like, Oh, Clark Schmidt. I like a lot. Like he could take the next step. He's on the Yankees. He could do really well. He's also an ADP of 222. you know, like that's a really valuable pick. There are some really good players going near him. And I'm just not sure that I'd be willing to do that, but I do like him a lot um, in terms of what he's been able to do. The velo was up a little bit. He incorporated the cutter, you know, just stuff like that, that you really want to be paying attention to. Um, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention Zach Eflin since I blurted his name out um, yesterday on the road. That's so good.
1: That's well, quite the Freudian slip.
0: Yeah, uh, totally. Um yeah. So so those are the those are the guys in within 200. I was into Kenta Maeda earlier. Yeah. But his results just haven't been that good. I don't know if the Love is going to be there. But um, certainly if he if he can get going, you know, we've seen the type of pitcher that he can be. For sure. Um,
1: I like the Evaldi call. Somehow, Trevor Rogers is still interesting to me. Uh, I like Clark Schmidt. I'm with you there as well. Um, Some others I would love. Uh, Tyler Molly is something I'm keeping an eye on. Zach Eflin, like you mentioned as well, I love Cookie Carlos Carrasco. I've been taking him in so many places. Uh, big fan of him this season. Sean Manaya is getting my attention with the velo. That is something I'm monitoring. Still, have not clicked that button but uh the velo is if i can see it like a one more spring start he might end up on in a one of my last picks in an oc coming up i'll say that much so there's that i love mitch keller i always love mitch keller you got to pay a lot more for him this year but i'm a big fan you mentioned david peterson another guy that i liked he was going later but i'll still take him nuts i think he's that good i think he's a very very good pitcher especially if he ever figures out the walks which were better last year but man improve that even a little more and that'd be nice tyler anderson is intriguing at uh, around 280 as well. So there's a lot coming later. Like if Rosany Contreras ever stopped walking, guys, that would be awesome. Uh Ross Stripling 100%. That's the dude I had rostered everywhere last year. So I'm in on that. And then you mentioned the Boyd and Erod. So it's a fun range. That's what I've liked about going through the different ADPs is, like, there's good pockets of some really nice, like, stuff you can – like, I could live with taking, like, three pitchers in a row in that range and be pretty pumped to have them as, like, my – now fourth, fifth, and sixth, probably more my fifth, sixth, and seventh. Hopefully, starters. That would be a, a nice little wheelhouse to be, and I, w- I would not, not, uh, not disagree with if it came to that on draft day.
0: Let's talk yeah, and, and one thing I'll say about this range is like a lot of these guys are interesting because these are the guys that are showing something. Yeah, you know what, what I'm really saying? About. Where sure. it's like these are the guys that were going in the 300s in DCs and then they've had like a nice spring, or they've had a velo bump, or they've done something that has kind of like boosted their stock whereas these other guys have kind of fallen off a little bit and so um yeah i just think that to me is is kind of interesting and looking at these guys is 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 this is really like kind of like a pick your pick your pick your guy pick what you believe in type of spot in the draft you know in terms of who you're interested in going after at this point
1: yeah for sure that's a good good point on that one talk about picking your guys let's go adp 300 plus now it gets into some Still some talent back here but definitely murkier waters for a reason that's why they're going past pick 300 but who are a few guys that stand out to you in this range
0: Yeah um uh Eric Lauer is really good uh, or he's not really good but um he can be really good like we he's saw He's really good dominant,
1: for post 300
0: Yeah he, we saw how dominant he can be and towards the back end of last year he actually showed some improvements you know, so I think that that's kind of encouraging. I've, I've kind of always been in on him. I was in on him last year. Aaron Savale is really interesting. You know, with the pitch mix change that he had last year, he really kind of took it to the next level. Question is whether he can stay healthy and, and be consistent with that on a regular basis. I actually drafted Michael Waka somewhere. I would not recommend doing that, but I think the Padres are playing at home against the Rockies, and I literally picked him so that I could play play in them in that start um you're getting into your kind of spec territory uh jose suarez is really interesting on the angels i think he was he was he had an underrated second half of last year where he really improved considerably on 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 a lot of different metrics um uh yeah, it's a little bit slim pickings here. Kikuchi is kind of one of those guys where you're like, oh, I want to believe. Someday. I want to believe what he's doing. I really want to believe in it. And and maybe this year's is different. Um, he did, He was really good skills-wise towards the back end of um, last year. And, um, you know, the question is whether that was just a bullpen thing or not, you know, um, really. Like, that's the way that I think about it. Um... Yeah, it's really slim pickings once you get later on, honestly. Um, There's not a lot of guys like I really liked Ryan Pepio of the Dodgers, but it looks like he's injured, right? Yep, He's banged up. Yeah, he's banged up. So that was one that was definitely on my list of guys I would I would be interested in. It's a lot more like closers back here almost. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, And filling out like your position, guys filling out your outfield if you can see all the green on there. You know, a guy like Cole Urban's kind of interesting because, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that's, like, been fine, you know? Like, he's been fine. And, like, there's something to be said for that, right? He doesn't yeah. walk guys, doesn't really strike him out either, has, like, a high three ZRA, like, a decent whip. He's on a better team this year. Still a pretty good hitter's park. Um I don't know if I've seen his velo anywhere, but early in the spring they were saying that it was up a little bit. Um, say
1: let's clarify Urban's fine in the 15. I'm not sure you need him in a 12. Oh, yeah, you don't need him in a 12 <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. We're talking like end of the road yeah. and end of the line yeah. here.
0: Um, yeah, like uh let's see what, what did Urban have? Like what did he finish last year as? Um, sorry, just looking up here. Yeah, so like 3980 ra 116 whip. I mean that's great, you know, for like where you're drafting the guy you only had 128 you know strikeouts and 181 innings and but he did get nine wins because he went relatively deep into games so it's stuff like that and you're just trying to balance that with some guys that are maybe like either home runs or nothing you know um and you can see that here right like everybody's taking their closer specs in this range um so yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, for me in this range, you mentioned Savali. I'm a big fan of what we're seeing from Aaron Savali. Um, I'm always kind of a sucker for walking the right matchups like you talked about. Alex Wood is a guy I get on while he's healthy. I think there's definitely something there. I love Jose Suarez, who you mentioned. I'm still a Brian Bayo believer in seeing that he's healthy might only miss one spot through the rotation. That makes me pretty giddy. So Brian Bayo might start going back up draft boards here in a minute now that we're seeing he's looking a little better but yeah you know ryan nelson is getting the spot in arizona if you believe that jt brubaker i like what we're seeing on the 15 he, he definitely has some legs uh, in that format other than that it's all specs like i like seeing spencer turnbull out there looking good again but you know how much is he gonna have after the, the tommy john season a lot of people like graham ashcraft I'm, I'm still not there in a great american small park fifth pitcher that always concerns me a bit so Yeah, it's a little, little, it gets a good bleak the farther down you go here, as you mentioned, but definitely someone that early 300s that I can uh, live with and and finish out my starting pitchers and be, be just fine with for sure. All righty, let's take the few listener questions we have here, and then we'll head on out for the night and we'll start with, um, doing K-Town Danny, or Doink, Doink Town Danny, sorry, um, couple of close ADP guys. We kind of talked about these actually already. Right? Who do you prefer in each matchup? You had Gossman and Castilla. We took Gossman. We didn't talk about this one. Blake Snell or Nasty Nestor Cortez? How do you look at those two?
0: Um, I think I would probably yeah, – Cortez is like so solid, but he's also a little injured, so he hasn't had that run. I actually haven't seen that much about Snell and how he's pitching, but he had a really strong second half of last year, so I'd probably lean Snell there.
1: Yeah, I'm leaning Snell. I've been taking him in drafts. I like seeing the way he finished the season. Like there's still that Cy Young pitcher there somewhere. And now he's on a team that at least if he's not walking the farm, will let him go deep into games. So it's like if he can continue to build off that second half, this is a dude that could be a big boy pitcher come the end of fantasy season. So I lean Snell as well. I'm with you on that one. Our buddy Ben Ted says, uh, betting odds, what are the odds that Toby goes pocket aces this weekend? I know the answer to
0: that, so I'm not going to comment on this. Uh, I'd say it's 50-50, Ben, 50-50. 50-50 point toss. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend for sure.
1: All righty, well, that'll wrap us up, Toby. The last review, preview, preview of the review of the season is in the books final thoughts as you head into a big vegas weekend
0: well thanks everybody thank you bubba um and thank you everybody else for coming along and the on the on the the preview and then the re preview um uh journey uh the last few months um it's been a lot of fun it's always helpful for me in kind of learning the player pool and getting great questions from everybody who's listening so it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I don't think, I think we've got the initial mains, but I think it's a whole different animal. I think when you get to Vegas and, you know, kind of what, what happens there, you generally have people who are, we're who pretty tuned in and, and are pretty, um, they have a lot of conviction, you know, and where they see guys going. And so that can result in some really interesting drafts happening. So should be a fun weekend. Uh, definitely going to miss you, Bubba. You know, um, we'll get you there sometime soon, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks for everybody for for listening. Yep, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see the uh, people on Twitter having a great time, seeing some
1: more draft results, and then getting the, uh, the 4-1-1 from one Toby G next week to see how things went and see how his winning team's look after draft night. So it'll be a, a great, great situation there. But until then, if you guys have any questions, hit Toby up on Twitter at crazy. I'm at Entrick. This was Bubba and the BatFlip episode 151 catch y'all next time
0: that's going to wrap us up for episode 247 of the bat flip crazy podcast and it-